My name is Sean Moore, and I'm the host and creator of the Mindful Rebel podcast. The election results rocked me to my core, and I had to be very honest with myself in the last few days. For those of us who represent a narrative in this country that is all too often marginalized by the system that we belong to, things looked all too bleak. But nearly a week after the man who galvanized a very real and a very ugly part of our country was announced the successor to the first black president, we must acknowledge that this is a call to action. Every one of us has the potential to lead and to serve as a change agent. And this is the time to realize that. This episode about mindfulness was right on time. In the face of adversity, we must ensure that we are taking care of those around us, but also ensuring that we are taking care of ourselves. Find some way to engage in self-care because you are needed for this fight. A great way to engage in self-care is mindfulness. This episode talks about mindfulness and mindfulness techniques that help tap into your inner reserves of love and compassion. I hope that you're able to take something away from this episode and the podcast in general. Our leadership journey has just shifted to one that is uphill, but we are up for the challenge because we always persevere. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Where are you in your leadership journey? Designed to inspire and empower other ambitious individuals, the Mindful Rebel podcast series is designed to bring attention to grassroots leaders in our community and focus on where they are currently in their leadership journey. The podcast will share the advice of doers and thinkers demonstrating success in life and in their respective areas of impact. Welcome to the Mindful Rebel podcast, a podcast about journeys in leadership. In this episode via Skype, we'll talk to Andres Gonzalez, co-founder and marketing director of Holistic Life Foundation. Uh, welcome. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm well, man. Uh, well, it's a good day so far. Uh, so as we jump into the interview, um, can you just, so we can kind of set context to the discussion, can you tell the audience a bit about your organization and the type of work you do in the community? Yeah, for sure. So um, the Holistic Life Foundation has existed now for around 15 years. What we do is we provide mindfulness and yoga techniques um, to individuals in, in areas so that they can uh, better better regulate themselves, uh, deal with the stress that the world has to offer, and it allows them to be more well-rounded individuals so they can uh, uplift their communities. Um, of techniques and mindfulness and yoga that we use mainly focus on breathing techniques and meditation techniques um, we do we do postures as well all again is, is to provide them with skills so they can better uh, self-regulate um, self-manage uh, and become healthier individuals uh, mentally physically and, uh, and mentally nice so what is your personal connection I know that, that again you're the co-founder of holistic life foundation um, what was your personal connection with wanting to share meditation um, with the community yeah, I mean, um, so for me, I mean, I think it started when I started getting into my own practice, um, when I started meditating more and, and going inward and, and kind of uh, doing a little self-discovery. I think that as I got into my practice and, and kind of um, evolved through the practice, I think it was a transformation that occurred that really was overwhelming. I mean, it was it was to where I was seeing the world in different eyes, through different eyes, and hearing the world through different ears, and, and just um, having this sense of worth that was just so phenomenal that it, it made me kind of shocked at all the suffering that surrounded us. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and I'm blissing out so much, and people always asking me, you know, why are you so happy? And I'd always be like, well, why aren't you happy? Like, what do you mean, why am I happy? That's crazy. Um, 
So I think it, it got to where through my own experience with it and my own experimenting with it, um, that when my transformation occurred, I just thought, man, I want to I want to give this to any and everyone. And I think that that's the main driving force was knowing what happened to me and wanting others to feel the same way I was feeling. Hmm. So looking at your program, you know, one of the things that kind of drew me to reaching out um, was the article that I read uh, in reference to the work that you guys do in Robert W. Coleman School in Baltimore. And as a native Baltimorean, um, I thought that was amazing to see that, um, one, you know, I'm a person that meditates um, as well, so I kind of understand the benefits of it. But to see that, and I'm an educator as well, so to see that being implemented um, in a way that is reaching communities of color, um, but also educating younger folks about the, the benefits of meditation. So what prompted, you know, that to kind of really educate starting at such a younger age with meditation? I mean, I think a lot, again, started with, uh, I mean, it was, I think it was twofold. So part of it was, um, you know, me experiencing it and, and, and wishing that someone had taught me it earlier, you mm. know, you know, reflecting on my life and being like, man, even in high school, someone would have taught me this college would have helped so much. You know, I couldn't imagine. I used to always joke with the kids that when we go teach them, I always say to them, you know, man, if I did this at your age, I would be Superman right now. Like, <laughs> I think I might literally be flying around right now. You know, and I always joke with them about that. And I think that's a large part of it was me um, experiencing transformation again and seeing, well, I wish someone would have taught me this. And then secondly, I think it was it was an opportunity that presented itself um, where we were getting into our practice a lot. Me and the other two founders, Ali and Atman Smith, um, the three of us were kind of living like hermits um, in a way that I guess you could live it with like hermits with two other people. But uh, <laughs> um, but just going inward and, and constantly just all we did was meditate. All we did was practice yoga. Um, you know, all our conversations were on that on the breathing exercise I did or this meditation I did or man, this dream that I had and this and that. And. And as we were going through our our journey, we had an opportunity presented to us to um, teach football to um, 20 quote unquote problem kids. And we decided, you know, hey, man, this transformation happened with us. Instead of teaching them us football, we were like, can we teach them yoga? This is around 2002. And you could tell the principal basically was like, you know, I don't care what you teach them. So long as you're giving these kids some aftercare, do whatever you want to with them. So um, we started that program. So I think that that's why it really began with youth is because that was one of the first opportunities. But in our minds, when we got started, the three of us knew that, hey, hey we just want to share these techniques with any and everyone. We, you know, our goal really was we wanted to try to save the world by spreading the love and spreading these techniques. And um, I'm glad we started with the youth because that, that that to me is 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 the essential key to the future is, is, is to get people to start practicing and learning these tools at an early age so they are able to regulate so they're not as impulsive so they're not dealing with with conflict in, in a in a defensive and angry manner but that so that they end up growing and evolving to become more compassionate loving individuals so and that and that's you know i i love that that aspect of reaching at such a younger age to really see what that the benefits will actually manifest later on down the line um what has the reception been i know you kind of talked a bit about you know, your initial group that you worked with, you know, it was like, just, we don't care what you do with them, just kind of, you know, make sure they, they stay occupied. But what has the reception been after folks have kind of seen what the, the results kind of are um, after working with them? I mean, I think, I think it's nothing but positive. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember that same group of kids um, we were working with, you know, we would come in and that first day, there would probably be like 10 of them at detention. 
And after a few weeks, there was only seven and then five and three and then no kids. And, and, and they put us in like the back corner gymnasium classroom that, you know, away from everyone. So we could have been doing anything down there. And I remember teachers coming up to me as the week started to pass saying, look, what do y'all, you know, I don't even care what you I don't care what you're doing down there. Just keep doing it because they could see the difference in the kids. They could see those kids that were the troublemakers or the ones that were being disruptive, now being calmer, being leaders in their classrooms, um, using concepts of, hey, we're in this together and teamwork and being compassionate. And because, you know, that's a large part of what we pass on too. you know, a lot of times there's this misconception of yoga that all it is is the bending and stretching aspect. And that's a wonderful aspect of yoga, but we make sure that we, we really are holistic with our approach and that we hit them from every single angle that we can. So uh, a lot of our teachings revolve around us talking about, you know, not doing yoga, but being it, you know, it's part of your being and it's all the time. And, and you can sit on a mat for two, three hours a day, but then there's still 22, 21 hours left in your day you're just not going to be a loving, compassionate individual anymore. And, and that's what we've always stressed to them is is the oneness concept and, and to always be, you know, trying to better humanity and better each other because we're all connected and spreading that love. And I think that that's why a lot of people, when they see the participants in the program, that they, they see that impact and they see that kind of emanating from their being. And it's, it's, it's like their auras expand to this, little their little love zombies and that's what we always joke around like we're spreading is love and we're just infecting more and more people with love so i think that um as people witness the program they, they have nothing but positive things for say say about it because they can't believe that you know youth in particular can sit still for as prolonged a period of time as we we make them sit still i think it's it's really a it's it's like mind-blowing to them kind of so with this, you know, understanding the, the impact of the mindfulness techniques that you use, whether it's yoga or meditation, um, why would you or, or what what how would you, I guess, sell this to someone who's looking into like new self-care techniques to do to kind of help them kind of cope um, as a leader, or, you know, as a, you know, through the day or in the workplace? How would you kind of uh, sell this to someone to say, like, this is a such a helpful technique um, to better yourself and to kind of help expand or just to deal with the day-to-day? -day. You know, I think first and foremost, is, and it's the thing that we teach all the time um, mm -hmm. to get people to kind of buy in or maybe to start their journey. You know, our teacher always says even the longest journey starts with one step. So I would say that first initial step is we would just talk to them about breathing, mm -hmm. you know, a basic belly breathing, making sure they're breathing properly, making sure they're using their nose um, describing to them how our nose is specifically made for breathing. It's a filter, it's a heater, it's a humidifier, and our mouth doesn't do that. Describing to them how a lot of people um, uh, aren't using their diaphragm appropriately when they're breathing, so they're only using 10% of their lungs, and that's impacting their body. It's not cleaning out their blood enough because they're not bringing up oxygen. It's, 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 it's hurting them in terms of digestion as well. And, and talking to them in that scientific method, but just making them take a few deep breaths and reminding them that their breath is with them all the time. That this isn't something they need to purchase. This isn't something they need to go to. It's always there. And just telling them to be aware and mindful of their breath rate in certain heightened scenarios. To be aware of their breath all day long. And when are you in a more intense moment where your heart starts beating rapidly? And notice how you react and how you respond to people. And, and are you impulsive? Or are you not impulsive when you're in these heightened stages and, and 
using that breath as a number one tool. And I think just that alone, you know, initially they may be like, oh, whatever, I know how to breathe and breathe my whole life, this and that, you know. But as they start walking around and really being mindful of their breath, it'll blow their minds away because they'll sit there and be like, wow, look at how many other people are breathing in and out of their mouths. And, man, I do take some shallow breaths, you know, and as they become more and more aware of it and they're more mindful of it, I think that that's when that's just that first step. And that'll make them curious because something as basic as breathing, you know, something that when we, we you start your breath, your life with your first breath, you end your life with your last breath. You know, this important aspect of our lives that people kind of take for granted. And it's just, you know, it's it's automatic. You don't you don't deal with your breath. I remember John Kabat-Zinn said to um, uh, us once at a, at a conference we were at, he was like, you know, if human beings were in charge of breathing, we would all be dead. <laughs> and and, it, and it's true. You know, it's just that awareness of when are you, you know, when are you aware of your breath? When are you really paying attention to it? We take right around 21,600 breaths a day. Mm. And when people really reflect on how mindful they are to their breaths and they really pay attention to it, I think that's number one first step. Because usually, just after taking a few deep, slow breaths, when people open their eyes in one of my classes, they look at me like, man, I ain't felt this good in a long <laughs> time. You know, so that, I think, is first step. And then you slowly, slowly introduce these other concepts of, whether it's meditation or poses or mindful eating or mindful walking and, and you're just letting them know again this isn't this isn't strict and structured this isn't you know a lot of people i think get scared because like oh i can't meditate hey what, what do you mean you can't meditate well i've tried it before it doesn't work so i mean if you sat and did it that was what it was supposed to be you know like just just framing it in a manner that they understand that this is an essential skill it's just like a survival tool that everyone needs to be able to live throughout the turmoil that's going on with the external world. And I think that starting with something basic like the breath usually is something they can see results kind of pretty immediate, and then it might make them interested in learning more, and then we'll start introducing them to some, some more meditation concepts and some more breath work. Hmm. So with that, I guess in that same vein, what has this done, you know, the work that you do with Holistic Life Foundation, what has this done to grow your practice in general? Oh man, it's you know that that whole love zombie thing I was talking <laughs> about earlier. It's just made me just the biggest love bug in the world, man. I, I, all I do is love, man, and 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 you know that's something my teacher always taught me. And I think through the work I've been doing, he used to always say we're karma yogis, we're karma yogis, we're doing it. And he used to say just do the work, and and um, and 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 I knew that I, I this is my you know this is what the universe is calling for me to do, but. It just made me love more, you know, and, and to go and to, to see people from all around the nation, all around the world. And when I just remind them about breathing and to see them open their eyes, like I said before, and look at me with that look and, and to grasp it, even if it's for a second, I, it just my love pours out to everybody. And it just I see myself within everyone and, and I know that we're all one. And it just makes me want to just love everyone and, and get everyone again similar to what I was before, where I just want everyone to feel the way I was feeling. I think now it's, man, I'm just exuding the love, man. And that, and that's all I'm about now. And I think a large part has to do with the work because when you see guys that, you know, I'm working with some of those, the, the group of fifth graders, around half of that 20, all are my staff now. So they're really? All, yeah, there's some 20 some year old men and they're out there and they're doing the same work that we were doing when they were in the fifth grade. And now they're going up to fifth graders 
and say, man, I was you. I was a fifth grader. Mr. Andy came and said this to me, and he ain't lying. I know you being a knucklehead right now. I was just like you. I was being a knucklehead. Trust me, you're going to come back to this stuff. It's going to impact your life. And, you know, to see stuff like that, I mean, you can't just, you can, can't do nothing but just, just appreciate, you know, just the love and, and the compassion that, that we've created through our family and through our team. And, and that's all it's about, man. L-O-V-E, for real. Mm. So in looking at, at the work that you've done so far, what are some of the long-term goals that you and the, the other two founders have for um, Holistic Life Foundation? I mean, I think just, um, just to continue to spread. I think that's our goal is to continue to increase our scope. Mm. Uh, Baltimore's our baby. and We love to hear you from B-more too. B-more, <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, yeah, it's our baby. We're gonna, this is, this is this is our epicenter here, man. When when this is this is where it's all going to start from, and we're going to make sure we continue to um, to help serve our city and take care of it. But but we've done stuff nationally and internationally. We've done a few things in Germany and Austria and Scotland, England, uh, throughout the nation, Boston, on the West Coast, and Charlottesville, on North Carolina, and Wisconsin, and um, and our goal has always been. Um, and, and we'll continue to be, I think, it, it, to continue to spread these techniques, but through some trainings. Um, so we would like to go into other communities as we have done, and we're going to continue to do this and um, train individuals in those communities, whether they're teachers at schools or universities, or whether they're um, some disenfranchised youth, uh, 18 to 24 year olds that are just in the neighborhoods, kind of in that like period of lost space, go on and train them with the techniques, get them to start implementing the same programs. And, and to get them to have a chance to put some money in their pockets too. Because, I mean, a large part of this that, that's come out of our organization growing is that we have been able to employ people. You know, it started off with three guys and now we have over 30 um, men and women going around running all our programs. And instead of, uh, I would say a few of them would say, man, I'd be on the corner hustling right now if it wasn't for this. And instead of them, you know, lessening the value of their neighborhood and, and hurting their community, uh, they're empowering. And, and, they're, and they're bringing value back and, and we're, you know, we like to say that we're trying to bring the neighbors back to the hood. And that's what, I mean, that, they're called neighborhoods. And the only reason we call it the hood is because all the neighbors left. So you mm -hmm. just call it the hood. And that's what we're trying to do is trying to bring that community feel back and, and empower people and really just remind them of what's inside of them and keep infecting, man, keep infecting with that love. Mm. Yeah. Are there any resources, and this is probably partly a selfish question for myself, but I think it'd be good for the for my audience as well. But are there any resources that you would suggest to someone um, who is interested in furthering their either one a resource that may be helpful for someone who's starting um, a mindfulness practice, and maybe two a resource for someone that's continuing their their mindfulness practice or trying to grow their practice? Of course, yeah. Um, well. Um, I mean, I, I have tons. Of, I, I'm, we're all bookworms, like I said with our story. Um, mm -hmm. um, so I have tons of books. If I, if, if off the top of my head, uh, I haven't read an autobiography of a yogi. I always say pick that one up. Uh, I know that at Steve Jobs' funeral, they passed like thousands of them out. That was something I guess he put in his will, reminding everyone that if, if you haven't read this book, read this, this book. I think that's a great. Uh, great books to see about what our capacity is as individuals and as human beings and what we really can achieve. I think it's a great one. Um, I think in terms of a, a mindfulness practice, anything from John Kabat-Zinn, anything from Sharon Salzberg, um, anything from Dan Siegel, uh, those those three individuals are, are huge, um, huge just believers in, in, in our work and, and just 
they support us and, and they're just they're amazing i mean john's john's the godfather of mindfulness uh sharon's like i call her the og of of, of loving kindness um and then dan siegel's like the smartest man in the world so those three people all their books have um practices that you could follow um beginning exercises that you can use to kind of start cultivating your mindfulness practice and um and then eventually i mean us we have we have an app on on, on a will platform it's called will grow w-h-i-l grow um, there's over 50 sessions with uh, myself ali and atman leading um individuals through breath work meditations imagery visualizations you can just go through categories like anger or stress or relationships or sleep and click it and then you'll be able to pick you put your earbuds on get led through exercises um eventually we'll be having I mean, we have trainings we do as well up in new york and omega and we have some in baltimore so if people want to reach out to us you know of course we can try to get them going and, and we can train them in, in some of the stuff that we do in some of our engagements um but um just mainly i would say if there's one thing that you really want to do to really start getting into your practice is just meditate you know, no matter what, even if it's in, it doesn't matter how you do it, where you do it, what time you do it, just do it for real and just sit down. And I mean, if you if you want to lay down, if you want to do it while you're walking, it's a lot of times when you first begin sitting is the best way. Um, and just just take some some time to be, you know, we're not called human doings. We're called human beings. So let's stop doing for a little while and take a moment to be. And I would say that. Uh, that's the, that, that'd be my number one tip. Sit down, just take some breaths, and just try to go inward. And I think that, that, that that's, that's where it all starts. Hmm. So right now what we'll do um, is transition into our rapid-fire questions. And again, they're just some fun personality questions. Uh, cool. So uh, do you have a favorite cartoon? Oh, yeah, Naruto Shippuden. Really? All right. <laughs> all right, cool. Have you, have you been keeping up? Oh, oh, I've read every comic. Every okay. single one. I'm all the way caught up. I got, um, Atman is really big into it. It's funny. Um, he, one of the, the reason I got into it is because one of the kids stopped coming to our after school program because he was like, I got this cartoon to watch. And we're like, man, ain't no cartoon cooler than us. And we watched Naruto, and that cartoon is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I just got my crazy part is I just got my Halloween costume in, and I'm uh, I'm doing Itachi, so nice. I got that, yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, heck yeah. Uh, where's the place you'd visit if you had the chance? Uh, wow, I travel a lot. I would say right now, next one on my um, my list is the Galapagos. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you probably answered this a little bit, but you prefer reading uh, or watching movies? Ooh. Man, see that's tough. That's 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 a good battle right there. Cause I'm a big bookworm, but I love me some movies. So I, I don't know. I think that's gonna that would be like a tie. That would tie right there because I love to read, but I don't watch TV. So the only thing I watch when I'm when I'm watching the TV is movies and and we're big superhero heads. So now with all these comic books out there, man, I can't believe they it's like it's like Christmas for Yeah, it, it's bliss nerds. right now for any it's, it's any amazing, nerds. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, this is what I used to say when I was a little kid. Like, I wish they would just make movies of all these. And they're making them. It's, so it's tough because I still like to read. So yeah. uh, right now, probably with all the superhero stuff, I'm probably leaning a little towards the movies right now. But if my teacher heard me, he'd say, man, you better get your nose in them books again. <laughs> is there a book that you would like to turn into a film that you would like to see turned into a film? Yes. All right. Um, and this is, I mean, this is, I'm going to say it, even though I think this would be a good, this is a good it's Jonathan Livingston Siegel. 
If you haven't read that book or any of your listeners haven't read it, pick it up. Great book. Quick read. Probably read in 30 to 35 minutes. Got pictures in it, too, if you're not a big reader, so it's not intimidating. And it's just a great story. I think that if they made a cartoon out of it for kids, I think it'd be something that uh, youth and adults, I mean, people of all ages would really get grasped because it's about um, a person's journey and, and, and kind of um, not being afraid to test the limits of, of what people say you're capable of doing. Hmm. Yeah. Great book. Is there, if you had to choose an object that best represented your personality, what would that be? Ooh, an object. Huh. Wow. I'm, and since it's supposed to be rapid fire, I'm just going to go off the first thing that came to my head, and I would say a microphone. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I like just, music, so. Okay. All right. And as we wrap up, the last question um, is, what would at the end of the day, what would you like to be known for? Love, man. Spreading love. Spreading mm -hmm. love and oneness. Yeah. That's a perfect way to end it. I pre Listen, thank you, Andres. That, that was perfect interview. I love it. Uh, thank anything, you so much. No problem. Anything you need from us, let us know. God bless. I'd like to tell all your listeners one thing we always like to end with is don't forget love is the most powerful force in the universe. We love all y'all. Okay, so have a good night. And for more information about Holistic Life Foundation, please go to their website, hlfinc.org. Um, more information will be posted along with the podcast, including the website. Uh, thank you for listening to the Mindful Rebel podcast. Stay tuned for our next exciting episode. Stay connected on your leadership journey with the Mindful Rebel podcast by visiting themindfulrebel.co, following the show on Instagram at mindfulrebelpodcast, and subscribing to the Mindful Rebel on the iTunes podcast app. Remember, the podcast is for you, so if you have questions about leadership that you want to hear discussed or you're interested in contributing to the show, feel free to share at themindfulrebel.co.